Hi, everybody. My name's Jay O. I'm the author of Maximize Your Medicare. And in this podcast, a pretty good interview with Nassau Community College. It was broadcast on iHeartRadio. The good thing here is that the interviewer is a PhD in nursing. As a result, she has witnessed health situations. From there, she asked questions about a financial contract. Obviously, with a PhD, she is the very highly educated to be able to ask very specific questions, which I appreciated. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast anywhere you digest your podcast. And in addition, the free newsletter, the text is in the link below. There's a special offer. First time paid subscribers will get a copy of Maximize Your Medicare sent to anywhere in the lower 48. I'll pay for postage. Let's get started. Next half hour with the voice of Nassau Community College, 90.3 WHPC, and get on the journey to better health. Hello and welcome to your family's health. My name is Dr. Janine Cook-Garrard from the nursing department here at Nassau Community College. And today you're going to learn about Medicare. Our guest today is J.O., a chartered life underwriter and chartered financial consultant who is managing the principal of GH2 Benefits based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he is an author of a new book called Maximize Your Medicare. Jay, welcome to Your Family's Health on the voice of NASA Community College, 90.3 WHPC. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. My privilege. So it's exciting to learn about this topic. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to become an expert in the field of Medicare? I think generally speaking that people misunderstand healthcare, meaning you taking care of yourself, nutrition, diet, uh, lifestyle, versus health insurance, which is ultimately a financial contract. It's a contract where people receive benefits under certain situations. And in that misunderstanding, we have lots of diversions and distractions, noise. Nevertheless, Medicare, I found as a type of health insurance for persons who are 65 and some other special conditions, is an excellent chassis to a car. That's kind of the analogy, everyday analogy I used I like to use. That said, it doesn't have all of the necessary safety features. Thankfully, consumers are in control of the choices. There are a wide rate of wide range of choices and people do have control if they understand the rules, which can be complicated due to the fact that there is a new set of language. And very, very tricky is that the language can look the same, but it actually works differently than other health insurance they may have used in the past. And therefore, the book was born. Okay, so is everyone 65 or older eligible? For Medicare. Yes, that is correct. So if you have paid for 10 years of income taxes, Mm -hmm. then you're automatically eligible for Part A and Part B under Medicare. This happens, uh, it begins on the first day of the month you turn 65. It does not actually begin on your date of birth, but actually on the first day of that month. Unless you're born on the first, in which case, crazily enough, it's actually the prior month. But that is correct. People are eligible for Part A, which is without premium, 
and Part B, which does have a premium and that can involve a higher premium depending on your taxable income. And one of my many hats is as certified financial planner, where I am kind of helping persons understand what that actually means as buying health insurance, et cetera, and understanding what their health care or health insurance costs will be during retirement. So tell me about your book, Maximizing Your Medicare. What made you write it? Well, really what the basis was because of the fact that people simply did not understand actually the mechanics, all of the rules, all of the different language, that there was such a fundamental misunderstanding of that language and the rules that they didn't take full advantage of all of the options, which were really in the hands of the consumer, really in hands of the person preparing to retire. They just simply didn't know it. And then after the fact, because of the fact they didn't understand it or they had a misunderstanding, they didn't get the benefits to which they were entitled under those rules, which again, heavily in favor of the consumer. So how do I enroll? Is it an automatic process when I turn 65 or do I have to go through an application process? Excellent question. So generally speaking, if you are receiving Social Security benefits prior to 65, then you don't have to enroll at all. You will be automatically enrolled into both Part A and Part B. However, nowadays, as a result of the fact that people work beyond 65, you actually need to do something intentionally to enroll into Part A and Part B. That usually is through the SSA, which is Social Security Administration. You can do so online, ssa.gov. You can also send in a paper form, in which case you can fill out an application. And that first date that you can apply is three months prior to the time the day that Medicare would begin. And that's the beginning of that enrollment period for persons who will be turning 65 in three months time. So I cannot work and receive Medicare, can I? You can actually. And so there are a bunch of different, very complicated, candidly, rules depending on the size of your employer. For example, many people can delay enrollment in Part A, Part B, if they are covered, if they are both the full-time employee, full-time employee, at, and are covered by their employer-sponsored plan. So you can understand how complicated it immediately has started to become because what has happened is people are now working beyond 65, mm-hmm. 65 the new 45, mm-hmm. or for their own personal or family reasons. And then they get come to this decision point, they're about to turn 65, and then they're, not, then they're immediately confused, not sure how to handle, just as you've asked, which is, well, am I supposed to enroll in Medicare? Uh, do I have a late enrollment penalty? What do I do about my spouse or other family members that are covered under my employer-sponsored plan? The number of moving parts increases and increases quickly, depending on your situation depending on your personal, financial, health circumstances. 
So explain for me uh, briefly what the difference in Part A from Part B. Certainly. Part A, I would call as inpatient hospitalization coverage. And I would have called it facilities, but the reality is it's generally for inpatient hospitalization that also includes skilled nursing facility care, otherwise known as as nursing home, only after it follows inpatient hospitalization. It also includes hospice. So that is part A. Part B is generally services. They call it medical. It is what you would have expected, which is doctor's visits, for example, office visit. It includes MRIs. In other words, diagnostic tests, blood tests. It also includes durable medical equipment. For example, testing strips for diabetes. It would be durable medical equipment, therefore covered by Part B. In general, those are the two, that's the line, if you will, that would explain the difference between Part A and Part B. So if I have Part B, and most people are eligible for Part B, particularly, as you said, who haven't been paying income taxes. Um, Do I need a supplemental insurance with my Medicare in order to meet the financial needs of possibly a hospitalization or being in a skilled nursing facility? Do I need an additional insurance? Sure. And you can remember that the very beginning of our conversation, I described federal Medicare like a chassis to a car. And the reality is, is that while the car is a very good car and it is a car at a price point, which is unlike other health insurance, the fact is it doesn't have all of the safety features. And from there, kind of like you implied, there are two programs to which to deal with what the chassis doesn't pay for. One, which is Medicare Advantage, which is the subject of most of the many commercials, the mail that you see on TV or receive. And then there's something called Medigap slash Medicare Supplement Supplemental, which is an entirely different setup. The way that they approach the covering of what federal Medicare doesn't cover, those two are available to people at different prices, which vary wildly across the country, and then we'll deal with other cost-sharing details, meaning what you would have to pay, what what is covered, what is not, under each of the two big programs. So what is the difference between Medigap and Medicare Advantage? So complicated here, this is really the subject of a great amount of the decision point. Once persons have decided to enroll in federal Medicare, the real question is they understand or hopefully, you know, they've read my favorite book on the topic and you've, they've understood that the chassis is good, but not yet complete. They understand what their price points look like, meaning their financial ability to pay for this supplement or Medicare Advantage. Ultimately, though, the difference is that Medicare Advantage is an annual contract. And by annual contract, that means every detail, all of the network, what the Advantage plan will pay for, that adjusts and readjusts every single year. And that is fundamentally the takeaway that I'd love for your 
audience to always take away is that every single year, all of the sellers, health insurance companies are modifying, adjusting the terms and conditions, how much an office visit costs, how much prescription X costs at a particular pharmacy. Every single detail subject to change every year, which is not negative. I don't mean to imply that it's negative because the intense competition due to the fact that there are 65 million people who are enrolled in Medicare has worked to the benefit of the consumer, the patient, the policy owner. Medigap, Medicare supplement is an entirely different thought, meaning that it is a standardized grandfathered contract. These are the terms that I use in Maximize Your Medicare to describe it. And it is by its nature fixed, meaning that there is no change in the coverage year to year. The premium can change, meaning that as you age, depending on your location, which can be from county to county, from state to state, will vary and will be inevitably expected to rise as persons use or are more likely to become ill over time. That said, if enrolled in Medigap or Medicare supplement, the only one that can cancel is yourself, meaning that there's no way, there's no mechanism, there's no path for anyone to eject you. There's no way for the carrier to increase your rates as a result of your health experience or healthcare needs at all. Once you're in, you're the only person who can switch programs. So you can understand that these two, this, these are the key, and there are many, many other details, you know, beyond today's conversation, but those are the key understandings that I'd like persons always to understand because that will affect different people and their location, their financial resources very, very differently. I said that Medigap, for example, involves a cost. The reality is, is that Medicare Advantage in many locations in the country, there is a plan, a Medicare Advantage plan that has no additional premium. And that is true, meaning that that's not fake news. That's not a myth that exists in the majority of counties in the, Uni in the United States that you can get this Medicare Advantage at $0 a month. And for persons who are strapped financially, of course, high inflation, getting all the headlines today, very value. And especially those persons who are worried about outliving their money during retirement, Social Security, their only income source, for example, cost control important, totally understandable. Medicare Advantage is a path that has extra, that has no extra premium. But you do have to understand these fundamental differences that I just tried to describe. You're listening to Your Family's Health on the Voice of Nassau Community College, 90.3 WHPC. My name is Dr. Janine Cookerard. And today, you're learning all about Medicare. Our guest today is J.O., a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant who is the managing principal of GH2 Benefits, based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he is the author of a new book called Maximize Your Medicare. So, Jay, another question for you. So you really laid out for me Medigap and Medicare Advantage. 
if you have um, someone in your listening audience who's dealing with a chronic illness, maybe it's diabetes or cardiovascular illness, and they, they're expecting that they're going to need continuous care or continuous medications because of this chronic illness, what would you suggest would be the best option? Either of the two paths do work mm-hmm. is the candid reality. So now, for example, depending on where you live, there are certain Medicare Advantage plans which are specifically tailored towards persons with chronic illnesses. For example, cardiovascular. Now, you do have to have a particular stamp of approval from a physician who is certifying you to saying you do have this situation and before you can get into this type of program, which is a subspecialty within Medicare Advantage. Those types of programs are tailored to deal with your specific situation. That said, under Medigap, for example, once you are in to Medigap, and there are entry points, meaning that when you first become, when you are first enrolling into Medigap, your acceptance into the into Medigap has no medical underwriting, meaning you could have a known situation. You could be, for example, type 1 diabetic with all sorts of complications. Maybe you're dealing with obesity at the same time. None of that is pertinent, meaning that un- when you are first enrolling in Medicare, you have something called automatic acceptance or guaranteed acceptance. It is the something formerly known as open enrollment for Medigap. The issue is that that window does not stay open permanently. So once that window closes, you may not be able to enter into Medigap. Note that insurance is regulated on a state level. So for example, actually New York having the widest range of availability to enter into Medigap at any time throughout the year, that said, it's accompanied by higher cost. So as a result, then it becomes a question of, okay, which one of these programs is going to help me deal with optimizing my costs, yet also allowing me to have access to the healthcare providers that I wish to see at the same time. And that can become a challenging balance, one whose answer isn't in stone from home to home, from neighborhood to neighborhood. That will vary wildly. Like I've said, 65 million people on Medicare. It's not possible we're going to have a one size fits all. Do you expect in the future that Medicare benefits will ever run out given our economy? I get asked the question as far from a policy point of view. My opinion is no. And the reality is, is that first of all, Part A, there is something called the Hospital Trust Fund, and this fund is funded by the fact that there are payroll taxes. In addition to that, Part B, which there accompanies a premium, in other words, persons have to pay a premium, and then it is also partially funded by the federal government Mm -hmm. budget. Some people have speculated that Social Security and Medicare will run out of funding etc. Jay, the private citizen, understands that there can be challenges, certainly, from a fiscal point of view. That said, the fact is, is that 
the persons the persons have to be legislating this and those persons are voted in and like i said with 65 million voters on medicare relying on medicare as the cornerstone to accessing health care services in the united states i just find that impractical i just find that impractical that they would be defunded to the level that you know they would run out now that said there will be challenges meaning that as I've said, 65 million people and prior to the pandemic, life expecting expectancy gradually increasing, although that has reversed course, sadly, over the last couple of years in the U.S., that nevertheless, there are going to be challenges. And as a result, the moving parts, I would expect to change. I think that that is reasonable as well. Interesting. How has immigration now, you're talking about those that are coming in the country, uh, new immigrants. Are they eligible in any way? You do need to be permanent resident for five years, and you need to have that in writing, meaning that there has to be written proof. You cannot show up at 66 years old, live for six months in the United States, and then simply qualify for Medicare Part A. That is not possible. So in other words, what many situations that I've helped families with. For example, they have established themselves in the United States as an adult, and then they bring their senior parent to their home, for example, in the U.S. That parent, once relocated, still has to be residing in the U.S. for five years. And then they apply to the Social Security Administration to find out if they qualify for Medicare Part A and Part B. That determination is done by the Social Security Administration, which is a slightly different set of qualifications than the Affordable Care Act. So you mentioned Part A and Part B. Talk to me about Part D. Part D is one way of calling prescription drug benefits. So we had talked about Medicare Advantage. We had talked about Medigap. Under Medicare Advantage, Part D, prescription drug benefits, are very likely to be embedded inside. Embedded inside. If you have Medigap, Part D, prescription drug benefits, need to be purchased separately a la carte, if you will. Now, prescription drugs and their costs get a lot of news, uh, clearly, and is the cost of cause of concern and even and I would tell persons that it is very very confusing this is always annual contract meaning that like I said under Medicare Advantage that plan and the prescriptions the co-pays the deductibles your out-of-pocket costs will change every year under Medigap when you purchase a Part D the same thing can be said that also changes every year that component does change every year. So from a practical point of view, I have a newsletter it, you can, which, where people can, and it's free. There's a free version. People can go to the website for the book, MaximizeYourMedicare.com. I always tell persons and remind them like a broken record. Be sure to check every year. Be sure to check every year because prescription Prescription distribution to people is the most complicated business I could describe 
because there are so many deals, so many agreements among pharmaceuticals, the insurance company, and the retailer, meaning that all of these three very huge stakeholders are changing the agreements, tweaking the agreements every single year. So even if your prescription list stays the same, the most economic, meaning the most cost-efficient solution can and will be different every year. And it's not for $10 a year. It can be hundreds of dollars a year, even over $1,000 a year, even if your list has stayed the same. Wow. That can happen. So on average, how much does an average consumer pay for Medicare? For most persons that have paid for 10 years of income taxes, Part A has no premium. For Part B, the base rate is $170 and change a month. There is financial assistance for those persons under Medicaid, which is administered by every state independently. If you are at higher income levels, then there is something called IRMA, and that is determined by the Social Security Administration and the IRS to determine that your Part B can be more expensive. For standalone Part D, which is the Prescription Drug Benefits Program, it is the low, th- I want to call it $32, $33 a month. That is the national average, national. That said, you can have plans as low as $7 a month, lower than that. And as I said, because of the complicated nature of a different person's prescription list, what their needs are, and these complicated arrangements between among the carriers, pharmaceuticals, and retailers, those prices, the premiums for Medicare Part D can vary. Like I said, 33 is a number I gave you as an average, but an average is just a number, right? There's $7, there's over $100 a month depending on the location and the different plants. So a wide, wide ranging set of plants for sure. Can I ever be dropped from Medicare? As long as you pay premium, you cannot be ejected from Medicare. Your personal claims cannot be the basis by which anyone would cancel you or eject you from federal part A, part B. No one can eject you from enrolling in Part D, or Medicare Advantage. The question isn't whether or not you can be uh, canceled. The question is is whether or not you've understood what you're selecting from the beginning. Yeah, this is why your book is so vital, because there's so many intricacies relevant to Medicare that um, what you're describing can be very confusing. So thank you for your book. Uh, Do you ever give consultation for those that are confused or at any level about the Medicare process. Absolutely. And it's free. The reality is, is the first call is always free here. That if people go on to maximizeyourmedicare.com, there is a form. It's not going to ask you serious questions. I'm not going to, we're not going to distribute your name and number for you to get 50 phone calls. It's actually very likely going to be overseen by me myself. Well, thank you for simplifying this for us. And thank you for your work. Thank you for being here. J.O. 
a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant who is the managing principal of GH2 Benefits based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And he is the author of a new book called Maximize Your Medicare. We hope you stay safe and continue to stay healthy. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, it's been my privilege. I appreciate the time. This is Janine Cook-Garrard from the nursing department here at Nassau Community College. And we want to thank you for listening to this week's edition of Your Family's Health. Thank you so much to Dr. Cook-Garrard, professor of nursing, for the very good questions. Outstanding, really. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Speak with you next time.